I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to episode 42 in the fourth edition of the AIC Bible Study video series, The New Testament Gospels. At the end of the episode, I'll point out where material used in episode 42 appears in the AIC bookstore publication, The Gospel of John, Annotated and Illustrated. In episode 42, continuing the focus on unique details, I will focus on St. John's references to people, including St. Peter, Nicodemus, Judas Iscariot, and Mary Magdalene. The first of the four people mentioned in part two of people uniquely named in St. John's Gospel is St. Peter. The personality of St. Peter is presented in a different light in St. John's Gospel than in the Synoptic Gospels, with St. John revealing his flaws as well as his strengths. In the first chapter, St. John reveals Jesus on his first encounter with Peter, giving him the name Cephas, which is an Aramaic word which means rock or stone in John 1 verse 42. Other than St. John, only St. Paul uses the name Cephas when referring to Peter. He did so three times in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 12, chapter 3, verse 22, and chapter 9, verse 5, and chapter 15, verse 5, and also in Galatians 2, 9. St. Peter's important role in St. John's account of the foot washing on Monday, Thursday and in Jesus' post-resurrection meal with them is discussed as a unique event in episode 45. The illustration is a 6th century mosaic of St. Peter at the Hagia Sophia in Constantinople, now Istanbul, Turkey. Only in St. John's account of events after the arrest of Jesus on the evening of Monday, Thursday, is the name of the servant of the Jewish high priest revealed as Malchus, whose right ear was severed by St. Peter in John 18, verse 10. Only St. John in verse 11 and St. Matthew in Matthew 26:52 report that Jesus admonished Peter to put the sword away. Only St. Luke in Luke 22, verse 51, offers the additional detail that Jesus healed the injury that Peter inflicted. In John 18, verses 15 to 27, St. John offers a longer and more detailed account of Peter's denials and of his warming himself by the fire with the officers. The level of detail in both descriptions is further evidence of St. John's Gospel being a first-hand account. The illustration, the arrest of Jesus, is an illumination in tempera and gold on parchment from the Codex Egberti, made between 987 and 94 AD at the Reichenau Monastery, Reichenau, Germany, for the presiding Bishop Egbert. In the lower left, St. Peter in dark blue is shown cutting off the ear of Malchus. St. John reveals the impetuous character of St. Peter in his account of their visit to the empty tomb in John 19, verses 4, 5, and 6, 
St. John is the, quote, other disciple, unquote, also described earlier in verse 2 as, quote, the disciple whom Jesus loved, unquote. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then St. Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. The illustration, Peter and John run to the sepulcher, is a 19th century watercolor over graphite on gray wove paper by James Tissot from the collection at the Brooklyn Museum, Brooklyn, New York. All three synoptic gospels include Jesus charging all the disciples with the Great Commission to teach the word of Christ to the broader world. But only St. John reports his eyewitness account of the manner of Jesus' restoration of St. Peter. In episode 40, I discussed numerology in the Gospel of St. John. Here again in John 21, verses 15 to 21, the numerology important number is three, symbolizing St. Peter's three denials on the evening of Maundy Thursday. The three denials are matched with Jesus' three questions of St. Peter. The event happened following Jesus' post-resurrection meal with the disciples, discussed in episode 45, as one of five unique events. The illustration is a second quarter 12th century A.D. miniature illumination in colored inks and gold from the Siegberg Lectionary, produced at the Benedictine Abbey of St. Michael, Siegburg, Germany, in the Roman Catholic Diocese of Cologne, from manuscript Harley 2889, Folio 1V, British Library, London, England. Before reading the text of the three exchanges, some context will be helpful. In the first question, in verse 15, when Jesus says, quote, more than these, Unquote, he means the disciples, and he is testing Peter, who had implied that his devotion was greater than that of the other disciples. The word love in all three questions in the NKJV text is actually based on two different Greek words that have different meanings, and I will point them out following each question. Finally, after each question, Jesus gives an instruction that differs with each verse, but all three represent Jesus' personal commission to Peter, effectively restoring Peter as a leader. An important affirmation considering St. Peter's three denials. In all three instructions, Jesus refers to sheep or lambs in a way consistent with St. John's reporting of Jesus' I am the Good Shepherd declaration discussed in episode 34. The first question is recorded in John 21, verse 15. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. The New King James Study Bible notes that in the first and second question, Jesus uses the Greek agapao, derived from agape, which means unconditional love. 
Peter's response to all three questions is based upon the Greek philia, which means brotherly love. Unconditional love is a stronger expression than brotherly love. In George Ricker Berry's Greek to English Interlinear New Testament KJV text, Peter's answer is translated in the original Greek manuscripts more literally as, you know I have affection for you. The second question is recorded in John 21, verse 16. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. For this second question, Jesus again uses the stronger word, agapau, unconditional love, and Peter in his reply again is based upon philia, brotherly love, which implies a personal bond and commitment. As noted in the commentary on the first question, a more literal translation of Peter's reply from the original Greek would be not, I love you, but you know that I have affection for you. The third question is recorded in John 21, verse 17, in which Jesus changes the Greek word for love and in which Peter voices his disappointment, or as St. John expresses it, Peter was, quote, grieved. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. In this third exchange, Jesus, like Peter in his answer, uses the Greek philia, or brotherly love, and Peter affirms his recognition of Jesus' divine authority in the phrase, Lord, you know all things, and receives from Jesus his full restoration as a leader. His three denials have now been offset by his three affirmations made in the presence of all the remaining disciples. As in Peter's first two replies, in the original Greek, as printed in George Ricker Berry's text cited earlier, might have been more accurately translated as, I know, you know, I have affection for you. St. John's account comes to an end with other unique details, including Jesus' prophecy of Peter's martyrdom in verses 18 and 19. The first illustration is an apse mosaic of Peter receiving a Eucharistic wafer from an early 12th century A.D. mosaic at the St. Michael's Golden Dome Monastery in Kiev, Ukraine. The monastery had been demolished during the Soviet era, but the mosaic, which had been saved by local church members, was reinstalled in the rebuilt monastery of St. Michael in the early 1990s. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. 
This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken of this, he said to him, Follow me. According to church tradition, St. Peter was martyred by crucifixion upside down at Peter's own request during the reign of the Emperor Nero between 64 and 68 AD. St. Peter reportedly said that he was not worthy to die in the manner of Christ's death on the cross. The illustration, the crucifixion of St. Peter, is an oil on canvas by Caravaggio painted in the early 17th century. St. Peter's impetuousness is displayed again in the final discourse with Jesus in John 21, verses 20 and 21. On this occasion, the issue is the fate of his rival, St. John, or the disciple whom Jesus loved in verse 20. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. In the early church, the expectation that Jesus is coming again would be soon or in their own lifetimes. In, in Greek, that expectation is called the parousia. The illustration is again the apse mosaic of St. Peter at the monastery in Kiev, Ukraine. The church's traditional interpretation in modern times of Jesus' answer to Peter is that we are not given to know the fate of others, and that just as Peter was given a mission, follow me, and to tend and feed his sheep, so also must the faithful continue to walk in the way of the Lord and be ready. The illustration, Christ in Majesty, is a miniature illumination in colored inks and gold on parchment from a psalter made at Oxford, England in the early 13th century from Manuscript Royal 1DX, Folio 8V, British Library, London, England. The symbols of the four gospel authors are at the corners, outside the mandorla, the Western church symbol of the glory of the Lord, which surrounds the Jesus image. The second of four people, in part two of two, uh, in people uniquely referred to by St. John, is Nicodemus a Pharisee who was sympathetic to Jesus. Little is known about him other than what St. John wrote in the five uses in three scenes in the Gospel of John. He is not mentioned in the Synoptic Gospels. The nighttime visit of Nicodemus with Jesus, described in John 3, verses 1 to 21, is discussed separately in the context of unique events in episode 44. The illustration is a portrait of Nicodemus in an opaque watercolor over graphite on gray paper by James Tissot, painted in the late 19th century from his Life of Christ collection at the Brooklyn Museum. Nicodemus' second appearance in the Gospel of St. John comes in John 7, verses 50 and 51, and reveals him as a fair-minded man. 
he challenged the chief priests and his fellow Pharisees to hear Jesus before they arrest him. Here's John's description. Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? The Orthodox Study Bible New Testament and Psalms edition observes that Nicodemus may have been referring to the Old Testament standard based on Exodus 23.1 and Deuteronomy 1.16 concerning false witness and the rights of the accused. The bad reputation of Galilee among the Hebrew religious leadership is demonstrated again in the next verses in this same encounter. Galilee was a predominantly Gentile region in which Jesus began his ministry as an adult man. The other Pharisees reply sharply to Nicodemus in verse 53. They answered and said to him, Are you from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. The third and final appearance of Nicodemus in the Gospel of St. John came at Jesus' burial. Only St. John wrote that Nicodemus was present at the burial. He offers unique details in John 19, verse 39. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bearing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds worth. In the Synoptic Gospels, only Joseph of Arimathea, Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of Joseph are mentioned as being present and involved with the burial. The illustration, Christ taken down from the cross, is an enamel painted on copper between 1535 and 1540 A.D., attributed to the workshop of the Penico family in France from the collection of the Walters Art Museum in Baltimore, Maryland. Nicodemus stands at the left of the image, holding an urn of myrrh and aloes. The third of the four people identified in part two in people uniquely mentioned by St. John is Judas Iscariot. As recorded by St. John in chapter 13, on the evening of Monday Thursday, after he washed the disciples' feet and before the Last Supper, Jesus was speaking to the disciples in verse 18 when he said cryptically, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. The illustration is a detail from my photograph of the Last Supper, a second quarter 20th century stained glass window by Franz Mayer of Munich in the upper part of the north wall of the nave at St. Joseph's Villa Chapel, Richmond, Virginia, from the AIC bookstore publication, Paintings on Light. Judas is the figure conspicuously in green at the left, looking away from Jesus. St. John records this dialogue between himself and St. Peter and Jesus in verses 23 to 28. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. 
Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. The illustration is the top panel in a two-scene illumination in temper and gold on parchment from the Codex Bruxall, also called the Evangelistar von Speyer, from manuscript Bruxall 1, folio 28R, made around 1220 A.D. from the collection of the Badische Landesbibliothek, Karlsruhe, Germany. The details are based upon St. John's account. There are two Old Testament verses which were cited in the early church as being fulfilled in the life betrayal and replacement of Judas. The first is Psalm 41.9, attributed to David, here using the 1928 Book of Common Prayer Psalter text derived from Coverdale's Great Bible of 1539. Yea, even mine own familiar friend whom I trusted, who did also eat of my bread, hath laid great weight for me. The illustration is Christ and David between two devils, a miniature illumination inside the letter S from the Oxford Psalter from the early 13th century that I mentioned earlier from Manuscript Royal 1DX, X being the Roman letter 10, Folio 28, British Library, London, England. The other prophetic text often cited is from Psalm 109, verses 2 to 13, another Psalm of David, and here again using the 1928 BCP text. The most relevant verses are 7, 11a, and 12. Let his days be few, let another take his office. Let there be no man to pity him. Let his posterity be destroyed, and in the next generation, let his name be clean put out. One later quotation from the Gospel of St. John sheds light upon the fate of Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot is referred to here by Jesus in his prayer to the Father in John 17, verse 12, not by name, but as the son of perdition, the only one lost of the flock the Father gave him, and also suggesting fulfillment of Scripture. For while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them have been lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. The fourth and last person referred to in part two of two in unique details in St. John's Gospel is Mary Magdalene. To distinguish her from the Blessed Virgin and the five other Marys, being the sister of Mary of Martha and Lazarus, the mother of James and Joseph, the wife of Cleophas, the mother of John Mark, and the Christian woman at Rome in St. Paul's epistle to the Romans, 
This Mary Magdalene is called after her hometown, Magdala, in Galilee, about five miles southwest of Capernaum on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. Mary Magdalene is mentioned 14 times in the King James text of the New Testament, three by St. Matthew, four by St. Mark, two by St. Luke, and five by St. John. Her words are quoted only in John 20, verses 11, 13, and 16, as depicted in the illustration, Christ resurrected with Mary Magdalene, a temper and guilt-on-panel icon in the Byzantine style in the collection of the Museo dell'Opera Metropolitana del Duomo in Siena, Italy. It was painted by Duzio di Buoninsena between 1308 and 1311 A.D. as a part of an altar screen. St. Mark and St. Luke in Mark 16, verse 9 and 10, and Luke 8, verse 2, also report that Jesus drove seven demons from Mary Magdalene at Jerusalem around the year 29 A.D. during the final stages of his ministry in Judea and Perea. St. John lists her as standing with the Blessed Virgin beneath the cross when Jesus said, Woman, behold your son, and speaking to John, said, Behold your mother. The significance of this event is discussed in the context of unique events in episode 44. In all four Gospels, Mary Magdalene is recorded as the first to see the risen Jesus and to speak with him. But it is only in John 21, verses 11 to 18, that her dialogue with Jesus at the tomb is recorded. I present it here in its complete context. The illustration is Franz Mayer of Munich's second quarter 20th century stained glass interpretation of the resurrection at St. Joseph's Villa Chapel from the AIC bookstore presentation, Paintings on Light. Mary Magdalene is the figure at the lower left. Note that the lower half of Jesus' body is not complete, reflecting his words to Mary in verse 17. The scene is often called noli me tangere, from Latin for do not cling to me in verse 17a. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. 
Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. The discussion of unique themes, details, and events in the Gospel of St. John will continue in episode 43. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this episode and available on our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, where you'll find seasonal and Christian educational videos linked from the digital library page, Bible study videos from the Bible study page, podcast versions from the podcast archive page, and where AIC bookstore publications are available through the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the home page. Items of interest for episode 42 are from the Lives of the Saints, from the first series, St. John is featured in episode 4, Mark of Se- in 7, St. Peter in 11, Matthew in 14, and St. Luke in episode 15. In the AIC seasonal video series, The Twelve Days of Christmas, each of the several Greek words which are translated in the Western version of the Bible as love are the subject of the episode for first day of Christmas, December 25th. In our long-running podcast homily series, the podcast homily for fourth Sunday in Advent is also focused on the meaning of the Greek word for love, demonstrating God's love for mankind that caused him to send his only son for the salvation of his creation. From the AIC Bookstore Publications and the Gospel of John Annotated and Illustrated, the unique mentions of and dialogues with Peter are discussed in chapters 1, 18, 19, and 21, including the restoration of Peter on page 166, mentions of Nicodemus in chapters 3, 7, and 19, of Judas Iscariot in chapter 17, and of Mary Magdalene in chapter 20. From Layman's Lexicon, words and phrases of interest for this episode are crucifixion, Lord's Supper, love slash loving, Monday Thursday, parousia, second coming, and synoptic gospels. In the prayer book Psalter, history text and commentary, the full text and list of uses in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer of Psalm 41 is on pages 97 and 98, and the same for Psalm 109 on pages 254 to 256. In Paintings on Light, the resurrection window mentioned earlier is reproduced and discussed on page 44. And finally, there's Father Ron's blog, which is available using links at the top and the bottom of each page. Entries in the blog usually include an illustration. Further, by clicking on the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend in the right-hand column and afterward entering your email address, you can register to receive notice of each new posting from our site host, wordpress.com. Please be assured that we do not share information with any other organization. Thank you for joining me for episode 42. Next time in episode 43, I continue with more on unique themes and details and events in the Gospel of St. John. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. 
May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and use its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.